0: Rescue the Fosters is about changing the foster system. We want to ensure every child has a safe environment to grow and become healthy, successful adults. Additionally, when I was in the foster care system, I had to defend for myself. Rescue the Foster is here to empower the youth aging out of the system and offer resources to ensure they are not dependent on the government. What we observed was that children become institutionalized and end up in prison and providing the government with more funds.
1: Rescue the Foster will provide coaching, resume writing, interview skills, professional attire for interviews, budgeting, applying for college, and obtaining housing.
0: We want these youth to live the most freeing, successful life possible.
2: It is their right and our responsibility to ensure that our future kids and grandchildren
0: can live happy lives. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans that
2: prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Oh, Good evening and welcome to Rescue the Fosters. I am Gino, your host. And right next to me, by my side, is the co host and co founder of Rescue the Fosters, Miss Sylvia Beachy. How are you, Sylvia?
0: Thank you, Gina. I'm
2: good. How are you? Doing okay. I'd probably be better if I knew we had a guest coming up, if <laughs> we knew where she was. <laughs> I know. Did I, did, did I just let the cat out of and the bag? Yes.
0: If you're out there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: please, please, Anne. We're begging you. Amazing. Oh my gosh So we were debating before we went live Do we just cancel or do we try to Delay and see if Maybe Ann chimes in We're not sure where Ann is She agreed last night that she wanted to do the show But maybe she forgot Maybe she got busy with work We're not really sure But maybe she's even taken a nap I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't know Ann is a busy I'm woman yeah. So we'll just kind of <laughs> delay And we were talking about telling dad jokes for the time being, but we don't know any, so that won't work. Any other ideas? <laughs>
0: you <lied>? I don't.
2: <laughs> don't know any. I have
0: no idea on the jokes.
2: <sighs> so, anyway, what's new, Sylvia?
0: Um, well, it's been a busy week, but a tiring, exhausting week.
2: How many hours are you on a phone during the week would you say if you had to guess every day let's just say one day
0: well oh lord probably like 15 hours <laughs> no that's meg on
2: not me meg that's meg's on for at least 15 hours she might even be talking in her sleep for all we know
0: yeah
2: yeah for so sure. there's there's some of our friends out there tony's here hi tony Good hey, to see me. you. And Adam Hugapug is here. How you doing, Adam? And a couple lurkers are out there. Adam. And uh, yeah, so I don't know what what we're gonna do. We're just kind of trying to stall and kill time and see if if uh, Ann calls in. So um, how's the weather down there in Georgia?
0: It's 90, 91, <laughs> 91 degrees. Oh man. Yes. Ste- it's really do you
2: guys? Hot. Do you guys get hot? I mean, uh, humidity, or is it dry there?
0: No, it's it's hu- it's humid. It's really it's really yeah. awful.
2: Yeah, it is kind of miserable. But you know what? I'll take it over winter all day long because I can't yeah. stand snow. So, yeah, it was today was kind of cool here. It was only like probably low seventies, which is kind of abnormal. It was really nice day. Wow. Yeah, no low humidity, but we've had tons of rain. We went like six weeks without rain, and then all of a sudden, we've had just tons of rain now for the last month, which is good. We needed it. Everything's nice and green and plush. And yeah, if you're just tuning in now, you're wondering why are they talking about weather on Rescue the Fosters? I don't know. Right. <laughs> we just are. <started. laughs> we, we don't have. Idea. We're waiting. We're waiting for a guest, and hopefully, she calls in. <laughs> oh man tony maybe tony maybe tony wants to call in and talk
0: i bet tony would love to come
2: on <laughs> you don't have to show your face tony let's <laughs> we'll see what what she says what do you think the answer is going to be
0: I, I think she i think she
2: will come on i think she. okay will. me too me too tony please
0: she's probably cursing us right now <laughs> <laughs>
2: probably <laughs> well it's 15 seconds behind so she's just hearing it there's a delay let's see what she says maybe she'll text i don't know i'm bummed out i really wanted to talk to ann i love when ann's on she's got so I much
0: know. I really need
2: amazing information time. and then also like just her <clears throat> the supernatural <laughs> things that happen around that woman is just insanity um so i was yeah. really hoping she'd call in uh, adam hugapug georgia that reminds me of another guest that would fit for a number of foxhole podcasters yeah, well, you know what? There's actually Bob Hughes last night. That was such a good show. Except, dudes, LOL, I just woke up from a nap, <laughs> so it looks like Tony's not calling me either. <laughs> okay, uh, we tried. No camera. That's fine. No, that's fine. Tony. Oh, no okay. So wait, hang on. There's there's a hope. She okay.
0: will be on in ten minutes.
2: She ten okay? Minutes. Cool. Can you forward the link to her? The Zoom. Yeah. I can. I'll I'll do it. I got it right here. Okay, that's cool.
0: Yeah, we can wait ten minutes.
2: So yeah, Bob Hughes last night was amazing. The guy is just like all the election fraud that he's investigated and in Arizona and his just, just I don't know, he's just got a very unique and interesting life. I thought it was really cool. Um why can't I find my link here? Archive zoom. Okay, Tony, I'm sending it to you right now. Done. Did you uh, happen to see any of Bob Hughes last night, Sylvia?
0: I did. I got the, uh, well, the, fir- the first part. Um, the With ringing, the doorbell? The, of the, the bell. I was like, what is that?
2: <laughs> it was kind of annoying, wasn't it?
0: It was so annoying.
2: <sighs> like, yeah i put it
0: i was like why would you choose that
2: that's what happens when you're in a hurry like because um you know i share this room with my son so he was late getting out of here because he was doing some stuff on the computer so i get in here and i'm like oh i want to put a new graphic on that says like and share you know and subscribe and so i did it on my phone i edited it it's a green screen thing so it's really easy it just boom i put it in the program do the green screen chroma key thing it, sh- it looks beautiful well, I didn't know sound was on it. I thought it was just the graphic. So the whole, we can't hear it. When we're like, you and I are talking right now, I would, I, it was not dinging in my ear. I had no idea it was going on. And it was so freaking loud. Yeah,
0: wild. it didn't seem to bother you.
2: No, we didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden in the chat, a couple of people are like, uh, there's some weird like doorbell sound. And then Meg R's texting me like, what the F is that sound? <laughs> it's so, oh my gosh, it was so embarrassing. <clears throat> But that's live TV for you. Yeah. Speaking of live TV, I didn't tell you this. So my uh, so a guy that goes to our church, he's a former pastor. He's like, gosh, he's probably 85 maybe. His name's Rick. Really nice guy. Cool guy. He calls me the other day, says, or texts me. He's like, hey, uh, you ever hear of Impact TV? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I think so. It's like kind of like a Christian network. Um, on cable and mostly like a black network, African-American TV station. So I was like, yeah, I've heard of them. He's like, well, I know the guy that runs it, that owns it. And he wants to talk to you. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So he had lunch with them the other day. They texted me. And then he called and he's like, Hey, I, you know, send me some of your episodes. I want to, you know, see what you're doing there with the, with the children and trafficking and all that stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. So I don't know where that's going to go. We're supposed to talk next week about mm-hmm. something. I don't know if he's going to have, oh, nice. have us on to talk about it or if he wants us uh-huh. to do a show. I don't know, but thought that was really cool.
0: So it's podcast.
2: No, it, it would be like TV, like cable TV. If they have a, it's a oh, network. Nice. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how that's all going to play out. I'm just waiting for him. Um, <laughs> is they coming on or me? You.
0: Who is that? Tony. <laughs> oh Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is a engaging conversation for the audience that's out there. Sorry, guys,
0: I, I've, I'm really Sorry. bad at small talk. I, I'm really
2: it's, bad at it. It sucks because you already have in mind, like going into this, we already had in mind what we were going to discuss. We had everything laid out, and then that just goes by the wayside, and all of a sudden you're like ad libbing, trying to figure out what to talk about. Usually, I don't have a problem figuring out something to talk about, but I was so geared towards like what the because I was excited about this conversation. I was really looking right. forward to, you know, getting in the uh, head of Ann and what she's thinking and how to get people to come out of the system and talk about it. And, you know, all the things we've been hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get a chance, by the way, uh, go to KVOI, I think it's .com, and check out Mark and Terry on um, on Kathleen Wind show today in Arizona. I thought Mark did an okay. excellent job laying out, uh, this is for you, Sylvia, but also for the audience, um, laying out all the crimes and how they do it and and all that stuff that goes on behind the scenes that most, the general public has no ideas going on. And um, it was a great show. I thought they did a great job just as you did. I mean, Sylvia was on there, what, two weeks ago? I think on Kathleen's show. Yeah, you did a great job. Megan was on before that. Megan's, all of you guys are going to be returning guests. Oh, here comes Tony. Good. Save the day.
0: Tony's coming on.
2: Yeah, oh sorry Adam rubbing in the nice weather. What's the weather like there? Yeah, Tony's here. There Hi, she Tony. is. Hey y'all. What's up?
3: Oh, I'm just waking up from nap. I worked at worked early.
2: Oh crap, sorry.
3: But no, no, it's okay.
2: So, um we're glad 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 to have you.
3: Yeah, I promised you I would.
2: Oh. See, that's what <laughs> that's what friends do for each other. The,
3: yeah, I love you guys.
2: Yeah, we love you too. So it's I'm, I'm Tony. Looking
3: forward to hearing from Ann. That's a bummer. Yeah.
2: So no, she's I she's coming
0: on. She'll be on in ten minutes.
2: Oh, Ann said. Oh, that? good. Yeah, that's
0: yeah, why I
3: was, oh, I, I was I, saying it. Oh, in 10 minutes.
2: I, I thought you said Tony. Okay, cool. Okay, so we'll no, have no, all I'll of us. We'll all stay Actually, until she
3: comes on.
2: Well, you can stay if you want, Tony. I'm sure you got a lot of good questions for her. her. Anne's awesome yeah she's amazing Ann is so,
0: amazing
2: yeah so Tony how was your day at work we're just trying to kill some time
3: oh just so busy I started early 5 30 morning
2: who goes and gets their hair done at 5 in the morning
3: right <laughs> there's a beautiful. lot of... <laughs> are you <A> serious lot. <laughs> yeah it's books. oh, it's oh booked. Yeah, here's
2: it's every a, day. Here, here's Anne excellent look at this it all worked out see yay fear not Anne is here we knew Anne would show up. Yeah, Tony, I don't get it. What do they come in before they go to work or something?
3: Yeah. A lot of teachers or people who are like professionals, people who need to get to work and don't want to give their weekends up, so
2: Wow, that's kind of crazy. Upper nineties for Adam. Where you at, Adam? Right. Yeah, I don't I love summer though. I'm never gonna complain about heat. I don't care if it's hundred degrees. Hey
3: Yeah.
2: Can you hear us, Ann? Hi, how are you? Hey, hey we got you? her.
0: Hi, Ann.
2: We're so happy you're here. Yes.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you.
2: Um, I don't know if you know your video's not on yet. Oh, there it goes. Oh, there she yes. is. There's our friend. Uh-huh.
1: Sorry about that. I was trapped in a family conference, and so I ran over. <laughs> we
2: we We oh, had a feeling. Worry. We had a feeling something happened. because. Yes. Yes. Uh, so anyway, Anne, we're very glad you're here. Everybody, yeah. Anne Elliott, returning guest Anne Elliott, who works uh, in the city of New York City. Uh, the city of New York City. No, I, I didn't mean to say it that way. <laughs> in New York City is what I was trying to say. <laughs> so, but so glad to have you back. She uh, is Child Welfare Services. She understands the inner workings and uh, just the whole demonic system that is child welfare especially uh in these united states of america so anyway and um we we invited tony on and tony has done a great job talking about hair and work and we were, oh nice we were, i but pretend tony,
0: the
3: hair part doesn't exist i, I like the advocacy work better we'll, we'll she go does with that. <laughs> she
2: does. But Tony is free to stick around if, t- if she wants to, or she can leave and go mod. It's up to her. We'll leave the choice. I'm, up doing, to I'm
3: doing both. I want to hear from you. I'm excited to hear your.
1: your.
2: Uh, you around. stick around. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and we, um, I was just kind of informing the audience about what this show is supposed to be about and is going to be about. And that is, we are mm-hmm. trying to get people to come out of the system and and tell their stories. Now they can do it anonymously, or they can go on video or audio, whatever they choose. But we just need people to come out and start talking mm-hmm. about what they've seen, what they've had to endure at the hands of these evil, evil people. So, um, what's your take on it, Anne?
1: Yeah, um, Sylvia and I actually was—you know—we spoke about that several times. Um, there are people within the system that is definitely aware of what's going on. Um, I know sometimes by the deafening silence of it when I bring it up with colleagues, they go on mute. Um, When someone is not responding to say, you know, yeah, it's going on. Um, I remember I was on uh, one of our agency, um, agency agency-wide Zoom call, and um, one of the young ladies who has been in the system as long as I have been, and she stated, um, you know, I don't know about anyone, but as anyone here working over 20 years that is finding it that it's more becoming more and more difficult to get the police department involved in finding our missing youth. Um, she said, I've been doing that and I have to be jumping through hoops. I ran to five different precincts before they really took the report to find a youth. And she said, when I started, it was never like that. So I kind of chimed in and I said, same here. I've been in the system 27 years and it was never like that. When I started and we attempted to file a police report, uh, the police would always call us. Uh, They took the report immediately. They called us back and they told us all their leads, all their contacts, what they did. And so now more than ever, they're either not taking the report or they take it and they never followed up, right? Or you have to run to different precincts to finally get someone to take it because officer so-and-so is not in, he'll be back. Um, You leave um, the information, nobody gets back to you on that. And so I spoke up on this very open agency um, forum to say, The reason why we're having such a difficult time is because of the child trafficking that's going on in foster care, in the child welfare system, and that the police department, the FBI, DOJ, and CRA are completely complicit with the trafficking of our children. Mm -hmm. And this is why there is no real effort, there's no diligence in trying to find our missing youth. The the, the teens, the young men, or the young girls that are out there. Um, And so this is a problem that we're having within the system. And so as I sat there waiting for a response, you could hear a pin drop. Nobody responded. And then they proceeded to change the subject. Right. So here was somebody, um, and and that's usually what I get when I try to bring it up or speak speak to um, our youth development specialist. And I would say over the years, listen, you guys are responsible for running these workshops and every agency I've gone to, the workshops or job readiness, resume resume, uh, readiness, college uh, and vocational preparedness, Um, you know, education, uh, health and sex. When are we going to do trafficking? When are we going to do preparing our youth to see the red flags and the signs of luring and grooming? When are we going to do those workshops? And usually they go on mute and they walk away. And so that's been the response that I've been getting within this child welfare system in New York City, of course, coming forward as a whistleblower is very risky. Number one, it's career suicide. If you're a whistleblower, you're not employable after that. Number two, a lot of them in the system that are aware of it, um, they have families to feed, bills to pay, right and then there are those that are complicit with this demonic system this satanic cult is what i call it it is a cult it's a child welfare trafficking cult and so many of them are complicit with it because there's a lot of money that is flowing in through the trafficking of our youth um from all angles. And particularly if they are part of the unaccompanied minor um, youth. I was recently reading something on Title 42 um, that Trump instituted which would crack down on the trafficking of youth, of, of actually youth minors coming across the border. And so one of the things that Biden did was to lift that and do away with it. And so, finally, somebody which I've always been saying on this podcast is the fact that Joe Biden is the number one child trafficking individual in the country. The trafficking is going on from the White House, and so this is this is widely known. Um, I had reached out to Jim Jordan, and I you know I shared this with Sylvia. Yeah. I'd reached out to Jim Jordan, uh, the Senate and um, spoke to his chief of staff, spoke to Barbara, his um, executive assistant. And I forward the name of um, Tara Rodas because she worked directly with the unaccompanied minor. And so the chief of staff called me back and he basically said, we have reached out to her. We are speaking with her. And she sat before the judiciary committee to substantiate the fact with documents that this was taking place today i have not seen anything aggressively nationwide that has been done but i know her working in her state was able to get some things done by her governor uh within this i believe she was from the state of texas i can't recall
2: yeah tara's in texas
1: Yes, so she was able to get at least three things implemented that would be very aggressive in this um, cracking down on the child trafficking in, you know, in the nation. Um, Since I've been on this couple of podcasts, um, the agency that I particularly called out that was trafficking and forcing me to traffic Um, After I did my podcast, about a month later, about four weeks later, they shut down. Uh, And it was all in the papers. And it's specifically their child care center, uh, which was 16 of them across the city. What's interesting about that is this, and a lot of people are not aware of this. We're talking about daycare. We're talking about early childhood daycare, a McMartin type of operation that's going on with the city. I had a foster kinship foster, which a kinship is a relative that decided to take the baby of a relative. And so I was able to put in the paperwork, this was a few years ago, well, three years ago, 2020, I put the paper in for daycare. This little boy was about seven, eight months. After I submitted the paper, um, this was a cousin. She called me and said, Miss Elliot, um, there's a daycare provider that's willing to take baby. I said, OK, great. Just go in, register him, let me know he's in, right? The uh, ICS will start sending the voucher. She calls me back and she said, Miss Elliott, they said before they take the child to ask the caseworker if what are the, the allegations against the mother? Is the mother taking drugs? And is the mother compliant with her services? And where is she in her services? For me, that's a red flag because all that information is confidential and no daycare provider is supposed to be asking those questions. And so that raised a red flag for me because what they're saying to me is that particular kid will be earmarked. That kid will be earmarked for trafficking
2: so the daycare oh my gosh that's so disturbing so you're saying that the daycare i mean who shouldn't have any of that information available to them is divulging it because they're they're basically putting these kids on the market through that information
1: right the daycare told the kingship parent to get that information from me the case planner right Which lets me know if they're so casual about something like that, not knowing that I'm not someone who is part of this cult, child trafficking cult. um, Then that was saying to me that that is very prevalent in the child welfare system. So what they're saying is this kid is uh, earmarked. It's a possibility. If we call a report in on this kid in our school, um, it's quite possible that we can have the kid removed from the kinship, put in a regular foster home, preferably one of their foster home, right? Once that kid goes into a regular foster home and because they have information on the mother it would be so easy to traffic this little boy because of the mother's history. So it's easy to rig those reports. It's easy to say the mom has a history of drug use. It's easy to say that the mom has not been going to her program, right? And I do believe a lot of these programs are also complicit in the process of trafficking children. So when that question for all those information came to me, I said, that's none of the daycare providers business. All they need to do, do you have a space? Register the child and give the child daycare services. They have no concern about the mother and what are allegations, those are confidential. And so, when when I did my platform and they closed all their childcare center, and they were trafficking through the foster care system, which is a little, probably be a little harder. Um, that was clearly a red flag um, regarding all of that. And um, they were saying, oh, the city wasn't paying us the money that reimbursing us for how many years highly unlikely. And so when I said to my colleague, do you know, they said, Oh, yeah, really? Oh, we know better. <laughs> um, so my, my thoughts on this whole child welfare thing is that it is a child trafficking empire.
0: Absolutely.
1: A lot of people are getting paid mm-hmm. across the board. Um. And 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 I deal with I deal with it in a sense that I'm still working in child welfare, but I'm working with preserving families as opposed to children being placed or youth being placed. Um, but there is something wrong when everyone on the top tier now begins to target me.
2: Hey, And um, and real quick, with, before you, the targeting thing, I just want to touch on this. Sylvia and Tony, have you ever heard of this daycare crap going mm-hmm. on too? This is a new aspect for me.
0: I've heard how it's, I've heard that it is through, I don't think there's really a, really a an organization that's not touched, but I don't know how it works. Like, I don't, like, I don't know right. how it works
3: yeah from our like from our experience it's more of um once they're in foster care or foster youth facilities they're listed as runaways nobody's actively looking for them and they go missing um but it doesn't surprise me i mean they're when these are these this is an organized child trafficking entity so for daycares to be that and that would be a red flag for me too because they're looking for the most vulnerable children um so to be asking questions like that they're looking for those that maybe wouldn't be missed that's what that that would be my thought
2: yeah it's almost like a filter it seems like it'd be a filter for them i mean i now that i think about Mm -hmm. it it makes a lot of sense if you're a criminal and you're trying to traffic people i mean what better way you know you see the parents every day they drop off the kids or the or the babysitter does or whatever you get to know them you get to see you know, you just see a, a round of kids coming in, you know, like clockwork. I mean, it's dist- that is very disturbing. Like, I mean, you know, I thought the hospitals were dangerous; they are. Yeah, uh, it, it just seems like anywhere that a child is supposed to be protected, it's become the most dangerous place in America now. And and
0: mm-hmm. that that is legit how it's how it's working. Anywhere there is a child there's some form of trafficking, but I would like to hear more of how it's done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually what happens is once I complete a voucher, they know it's coming through the child welfare system. Oh, okay. Right. In most states, they call it DEFIS. I don't know what they call it in, you know, Department of Child and Family Services. In New York, it's Administration for Children's Services. So all our children that are in foster care, babies, children um, that need daycare services, we complete, that val- we complete that application and then we send it to our main child welfare, which is Administration for Children's Services, because they are going to be paying for it. So whenever you go to the daycare, they know this child is coming through the foster care system. They know this is a foster child for the fact of where the voucher is coming from. So once they know this child or this baby is in foster care, they already know about the trafficking that is going on in foster care. Right? So, you know, the thing is, is mom doing her services? You know, they want to know what the probability of if um this child going back to the parent right 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 and so with 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 all the, the 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 casualness of finding out this information from the case planner which was myself which Being in this industry for so long, that's confidential. That's not information for daycare to have, right? So there's a lot of rigging of reports. We have to understand that this is an interconnected network. You have mental health providers who are connected to the system, Mm -hmm. right? I spoke to a foster care supervisor a couple of weeks ago, and I said, how are things in foster care? And they said, you know, we're just having a flood of birth parents with mental illness. Um, Yeah, more than usual.
2: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh gosh.
1: Again, again, to me, that was a red flag. Yeah. Because we know mental illness is now being weaponized Mm And it's been used to take children away from their parents and to keep them in foster care. So if you have a a parent that has some kind of mental health or mental health diagnosis, um, that report is easily easily rigged, Mm -hmm. which means the worker and the supervisor will agree that the mother is not in the right mental state. That if this child is returned to the mother, the, 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 child will be at risk. And so they That's keep the a... child in foster care until Asfa said, it's 12 months. What's going on with mom? Right. Let's start permanency. And so we start the process of terminating her rights.
2: This might be a good segue to go down the list of, um, I don't know, I guess companies, maybe whatever you would call them, or agencies, I guess would be the better word, of who are aiding and abetting these crimes. I mean, you, you we didn't even talk about the, uh, what is it, the photography company that does all the elementary school pictures. Um, right. you've, you've got Amber Alert. <laughs> you've got mm-hmm. National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, International mm-hmm. Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Mm-hmm. You've got the foster care, you've got the adoption agencies, you've got CPS, you've got all, I mean, and and then that doesn't even count the border and everything that's going on with DHS and HHS. Like, folks, we have an epidemic. Like, uh, this is...
3: Problem. And also, <laughs> can I just say that when they're saying that these mothers have uh, mental health conditions, most, most of the time it's conditional PTSD, from having their children ripped from their lives and kidnapped. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're kidnapping these children. Who's not going to have some PTSD? So they're actually creating the mental health condition and then using that as a reason to keep their children or to terminate their rights. Um, And, you know, a lot of these psychiatrists are also contracted with the agency. Um, Mm -hmm. So they're not working for the parents. They're working for
1: CPS. Yep. absolutely. Um, don't forget to add the police department also. <laughs> and, the
2: and the hospital. And the hospital.
1: Yep, mm-hmm. and the hospital. are mm-hmm. um, all-part school. <laughs> um, it's a very um, interconnected, when we look even today at the LGBTQ issue that's going on and how we're seeing this being enforced in all agencies across the board um i'm hearing recently that they're going to begin to organizations are going to begin to force us to add pronouns to our name right and so that's an lgbtq agenda being forced within our organizations right Mm -hmm. across the board in the public school system uh where this whole agenda is being Enforced again on our children from kindergarten all the way up we see laws are now in California. um, They passed a law where if you are not uh, a gender affirming parent is considered child abuse. And so your child can be removed. Just yesterday they bill 14 Uh, they killed it the democrats killed bill 14. Uh Bill 14 was a bill that was put in Congress for uh to to for trial traffickers to do life if you are caught as a sex child trafficking individual you are up for life sentence and why so the would, whole dem- why
2: the would democratic- Democrats yeah why would they why would they not want that bill in unless they're complicit in it and they'd have to serve life sentences that's it mm-hmm
1: That's it. Basically, they're saying they support this endeavor of human trafficking, child trafficking, Um, you know, and so I think, believe it was um, introduced by the Republican Party. And so when that was killed, it just goes to show you the shape of um, what our country, the state of what our country is in uh, with this crisis of uh, trafficking um, of children. And unfortunately, in my own state, um, you know, June, the month of June, I I, I won't even say, you know, the P word, <laughs> because I'm not going to honor them <laughs> with their um, celebration.
2: Well, I'll say it. Pride comes before the fall.
1: Yeah. So, you know, even here in my state where they have their huge, huge march in New York City. Um, you know, in Washington Square Park, and they were in that fountain, nude. You know, the young ladies had on a bikini bottom, breast exposed, a lot of nudity, men the same, and they had children there. And when the camera panned the children, they were so confused. Because same-sex gender, they were just hugging and kissing, uh, very blatant, very sexually explicit. And so the children were sitting there watching this, observing this, and was just very, very confused. These are the same people that says we're here, we're queer, and we're coming for your children a lot of the LGBTQ also supports the pedophile agenda. And the pedophile agenda is what's also, um, have penetrated our child welfare system, where they are beginning to have discussion to normalize pedophilia in this country. And it's a scary thing. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so, you know, Across the board, um, the whole—I I just believe the whole child welfare system across this nation um, is part of this empire, and um, there's so few of us that are speaking out yeah. that were on the inside. Um, more needs to come forward, and I do believe that what we have to do, like myself, Sylvia and I talk about it is find strategic ways to pull them out, where they can come out and speak without the retaliation of job loss, you know, blacklisted, you know, blackballed. And one of those things we did uh, talk about was setting up an anonymous P.O. box hotline that they can report anonymously and that an investigation can be done. Once they report anonymously, um, give us case name, we can or give us information, uh, we can move to have those cases reopen. We can go to the courtrooms, to the to the family court, and we can put those judges on blast. You know, we can speak to those families. We can solicit families. If you have done all your service plan and you have done everything you were supposed to do, but the court took your children, we wanna hear from you. And those parents are allowed to write the state and get a copy of their record and then give us the permission to go through them, right? And there needs to be stiffer penalties um, for case planners, supervisors, all the all the way up to the chain of command that falsify records, that infiltrates um, the legal system of where the notes are kept, which are legal documents for hearing for these parents that I know for a fact are being tampered with. I know for a fact is being altered. I know for a fact is being removed to work against the parents so they can move to terminate the rights of these parents.
0: Right. Same.
2: So, Anne, what does it take for someone to come out of the system and talk? I mean, you obviously, you've been very vocal um, and you've, you've suffered some repercussions. I mean, we're not going to lie. She's been on before and told us about what she's had to endure. At the hands of these demons, literal demons. Yeah. What? What? Let's say. Let's say I'm working in a system. I've been there ten years, and I'm just done with it. I'm. I'm. I can't go to sleep at night anymore. My conscience is ringing, and I'm just like, I gotta say something. I gotta do something. What? What would be my first step?
1: Wow. You know, it's going to take your first step is courage. first <laughs> <Amen. Yeah. laughs> your- step is courage. it's that simple. Um, the, re- the repercussions are um, you know for me for the last 10 years I I'm, I'm not even sure how I survived it. Um, there is uh, attempts on my life. I've been poisoned several times. How I'm still alive, I'm not sure. I've been threatened. Um, in nonverbal ways, and I was sharing some of that with Sylvia last week. It was last week, Sylvia,
0: yeah, that was last week, yeah,
1: so even trying to record these but it's a lot
0: to- of symbolism they 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 yes. through symbolism and um, yeah, it's all they they are the experts in symbol in symbols, yes, and they, they do for yeah.
1: A lot of it is, is nonverbal symbolism. Um, like I was sharing the the whole thing with my water bottle and usually I walk around with it and I don't leave open food or anything on my desk. But this one day I left my water bottle on the desk, which has a black screw you know, cap. And for the short time that I left and came back, they removed the cap and placed it with a different color. So they were giving me a warning, right? They know I've been vocal about being poisoned. So again, someone on the inside was giving me a warning. Now, what that says to me is that I'm watched. Mm -hmm. Someone had a plan to do that and was waiting for me to leave that water bottle at my desk. And they had a cap prepared to do the exchange. Right? So, you know, I take my, my step and, and you know, I know the system. I know my rights. I do have an HR certification and I got it specifically for this. Um, I do challenge and confront uh, what's being done. They know I know to tamper with the paperwork is criminal. And if I report it, there will be an investigation and quite possible incarceration. So they are very delicate in how they would handle my situation, right? Um, Because they know that I know um, what they're doing is criminal. They know that my testimony is sure They know my testimony are facts because I'm in the system and I laid low for several years watching this happen before I was eventually approached about it. And so the fact that all the sabotage have gone on with my work simply means you're covering something. You're trying to force me out of the system, right? and 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 you're trying to bury um evidence right and so it is very difficult for anyone that decides to do this i would say have a secure financial base because you probably will not be employable anywhere once it gets out no one wants to hire a whistleblower so your way, your, 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 your way is probably entrepreneurship, um, that you're going to go and, um, start a business, uh, wait until it becomes profitable and then go for it. But you're also putting your life in danger. You're putting your family also in danger. And so these are things that they are very much aware of. And, um, You risk relationships, um, understand you will be spied on internally. Um, Your movements will be monitored internally. You will be trapped in conversations and recorded because what they're gonna try to do is build a mental health case against you.
0: Yep, that's what they did to me.
1: Right? So they're going to have people have conversations with you and they might even twist your words and embellish things and then they will you know have something to sta- substantiate to say that didn't happen she's delusional um she's seen things that didn't really happen um and so you have to be very very careful who you talk to you know what you say um And knowing that you're you're being recorded um your system is also connected to like my system i don't know why i work in new york but my laptop says washington dc and not new york city
2: is yours the only one that says that
1: absolutely God. So there's a mainframe somewhere, hmm. right? You're
3: you're also not the first person we've heard of being poisoned. Um, we know of a lot. We know of, and we also know people who have been poisoned for speaking out against this. It's a real yeah. thing. They don't like yeah. they don't
1: like people talking about this. No, they don't. And it just goes to show how complicit um, they are with it. The agencies are getting a lot of money um, to traffic children. Um, Us on the front line, people on the front line are not seeing the money. Um, Mostly the people at the top are the ones that are seeing money from these so-called sponsors, um, unaccompanied minor um, track of trafficking. Um, So it, it, it boggles my mind that there are these women, social workers with license um and as an an oath to protect children who have children themselves Mm -hmm. that are very involved and very complicit in trafficking children um you know so to the person who wants to come forward um We're gonna do that. We need to set up an alert where they can, um, a number they can call a post office box where they can forward suspicion or that they conclusively know. Um, They can forward that information and that could begin to trigger an investigation. If there is a judge that you know is, is trafficking children, by all means forward that name so that judge can be investigated the problem also that we're we're having with the sewage is that the family court is become so rogue in their rulings because the judges have immunity and what we're dealing is a fraternal order of traffickers and so they're covering each other the attorneys involved on all levels for the parent, for the children, um, for the foster mother, they're all complicit in the crime. And so we even have foster parent that knows that there's money in this for them. Yep. Um, The mental health provider, they go to the right one, Get diagnosis, they get special rate. So instead of regular rate of seven hundred, you get two thousand per child. Mm-hmm. If you agree to the adoption, and I think a lot of these foster parents are recruits of these pedophile these agencies. Um, in New York, you get almost fifteen thousand per child if you adopt. Now, the stories that I'm hearing about these so-called foster parents are really becoming more and more horrid and more and more strange. Yes. We're also having fake children and family services that are cropping up because I do believe it's getting hot in foster care because Mm -hmm. of the outcry, because so many more since, since Nancy Schaefer are now, is now speaking out, um, that more of us are now on the front line speaking out and it's really getting hot in foster care. And so I really do believe that what is cropping up now is fake children and family um, organization. That is simply, anyone goes through that, it's really a child, a child trafficking center. Um, if you look at, um, Nancy Pelosi, uh, she has a history of that. She is a landlord for a building, uh, children, Mateo, children and family services that is steeped in child sex trafficking and pedophilia. It's online, right? And these, these people pay her rent and the guy who opens it died in prison. He was a known pedophile. A lot of child pornography was found on the property. Right? And so Nancy is the landlord for that. Nancy Pelosi. What, what's the name of that facility? Um, I think it's San Mateo, uh, Children and Family Services out there in uh California. Uh, I'll send you, I'll send you all the information on that. Uh, yes, Patrick, Patrick Hawley from um, National File, he did a whole expose on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you can look up his name, and you will find all the documents that are there, um, the history of it all, and this is something that is known. Right.
3: They're also creating a new narrative. I've noticed lately just by watching the headlines is... That foster care, and this is being reported across the nation in, in so many states, and it's all, like, at the exact same time. But the headlines keep reading that foster care is overcrowded, so kids are being housed in hotels and uh-huh. office buildings. So uh. now, now what they're trying to do is push new legislation to quicken the adoption process well here's the thing if there aren't any foster parents who's going to be adopting
0: Mm -hmm. so
3: they really just want to um you know right now with the um uh you know the way that it's set up now is they actually have 15 months to work their case plan i think they're trying to hurry to get these kids through to disappear them quicker I mean, that's mm-hmm. just my theory at this point, but it's very interesting. If you just do a quick Google search of foster care, you're going to see state after state reporting the exact same thing.
0: Oh yeah. There's uh kids in hotels in Georgia. It's the same thing. And they were offering uh placement agencies, 5,000 more per child mm. to, take, to take the child. Yep.
3: Wow. But it makes me yeah. wonder is there really this, this, all of a sudden this huge surge, this sudden overcrowding, or is this an excuse to get kids through the process quicker?
2: Seems like the latter. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You but know, another, said, a, an, uh, another agency I forgot was the church. The church is involved in a lot of this stuff too. Now, unknowingly, a lot of it's ignorance, but the church yeah. really has to wake up. You know, I've often thought, I, I would love to, um, I have an opportunity that might be presenting itself. And I was telling Sylvia about yeah. this before the show impact TV, um, is, I I was talking to the, uh, I guess he's like the co-founder of impact mm-hmm. TV and, and he's very interested in the trafficking aspect. Now, uh, impact TV is mostly an African American channel mm-hmm. and let we know how it impacts the African American community especially. And so I think awareness would be an amazing thing in the church because the church has been complicit uh, unknowingly in most cases because they assist in adoption. And of Mm -hmm. course on the out as an outsider looking here, well, adoption's great. Of course it's great. You know, it's putting kids in good homes and all that, but they don't understand the process that leads to the adoption. They don't get that. And so this Mm -hmm. might be an opportunity where we can get into the church and wake people up and say, Hey, this is what's really going on. Now, again, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to paint with a broad brush. Of course, there are great adoptions. There's there's mm-hmm. always, you know, the, but it's, it's unfortunately, that's the exception to the rule at this point. Because we know what? that m- most of the, I don't know what the exact numbers are, the statistics. I don't know if we really can know at this point. But we know that a majority of these kids that are being adopted never needed to be taken from their home in the first place, from their biological parents. That's the tragedy that no one knows about. That's the hidden secret. Am I correct in saying that?
3: I no, yeah. So yeah. It's estimated between five to eight percent of cases are legitimate. And that, and, and this is a national center of missing and exploited children's own statistic, which you know how I feel about them, but um, 88% of children that are trafficked for sex are from the foster system. That's alarming. So as as much as I you know I, i'm i I'm all for you know the traffic you know to fight against the trafficking of children across the board in all different areas, border kids, whatnot. Foster care is the largest
0: I'm child kidding.
3: trafficking entity worldwide cps well
0: it made sense now though, because if you think about it, and just said when she fills out a voucher, okay, so you fill out these vouchers not just for daycare, but for after school, pre, uh, before school. Um, so if you have your YMCAs, we use those a lot for aftercare. Uh, you, you have to think of all these different, uh, also activities, like um, because they have uh, funds for activities. So I never even thought about the voucher being part of it, but it does send up a flag that, hey, this child is a foster child. And it makes them more vulnerable to the people that want them. So wow. right?
2: that's a great point. Extracurricular activities. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Disturbing. But,
1: and, and what's quite interesting to me is this, is it amazing that a system that's committed to the protection of children with the kind of statistics of children being trafficked in the foster care system. Why is the system so silent?
2: That's, that's a failure. I mean, how is that not failure with those
1: numbers? (laughs) Why, why is the system so silent about trafficking? Why is the commissioners so silent? Why is the supervisors and regional directors are so silent? Why are they not on the front line implementing and strategizing? ways put a dent in this trafficking industry that speaks volumes they will not touch it they will not talk about it they will not advocate against it and that's telling that's telling and if you are in the system talking about it you're punished you're persecuted Mm -hmm. you're retaliated against Right. And so this is a system that is committed to the safety of children and youth. So why aren't we out there with policies, with programs, with workshops? Why aren't we out there with the bullhorn as regional directors and commissioners? Right on the front step of City Hall, championing and standing with parents foster parents against trafficking of our children. It is not happening. And so that is a cause for concern. It means the people that are at the top are very much complicit with it because the commissioners are supposed to be the frontliners with that kind of a statistic of trafficking going on in foster care. The commissioner of each county is supposed to be on the front line addressing this issue with the public and to talk about what it is we have in place, what programs, what policy, and what strategy are we using to crack down on the trafficking that is taking place in foster care. That is not happening and that is telling. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of them really, you know. um, And they're the
0: ones that are bullying the staff, too, because that, too, always are, um, it's the ones that are harassing the staff, bullying the staff. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. In my agency, um, you know, we just had, and, and I deal with these bullies personally for years, Um, we just had a situation with a bullying program manager, um, bully and badger staff. And I happen to sit in the area where her team is uh, incidentally away from my whole team, right? (laughs) How divine. And so I've watched her decimated two units that consist of Four workers, a supervisor, and two caseworkers. All wiped out in about six months. And then they give her another team. And then people start resigning again. And so the first set that left, um, I heard them. I I spoke to them what's going on because I wanted to know. And so they updated me on everything that was going on. And so um, I became very vocal about it. I became extremely vocal about it. And so I spoke to my program manager about it. I spoke to several colleagues about it. I told them that I will be taking this case up if she gets one more unit to bully and badger. I will be sitting outside the doorstep of the commissioner of this child welfare to put a demand as to why this program manager is being given another unit. I spoke to my program manager yesterday about it, and I said a young lady was brought to me that's in tears, and she's still being harassed by this woman. And uh, I understand she's getting a new team to oversee. And so the 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 because I was so vo- vocal, I believe they they pulled the funding from her program. How good. Yeah, they pulled it. So she was stabbed because um, I was I was blaring it everywhere and everybody knew I was vocal. And I told them I'm ready for my, my letter from HR, but I'm seeing this through because I know what it's like. And so um, they defunded her program and somebody said, oh, they're trying to give her uh, another unit at headquarters. That's another county where the headquarters is. And I said, really? Okay, I'm not going to take anybody's word for it. I want to wait and see. Because if she gets another team to do the same thing that she has done to the staff, I definitely am going to be campaigning for her removal. And so I told that to my program manager yesterday. And my program manager said, well, they're not giving her a team. They decided to make her a consultant over one of the program, right? Which means she just guides people in their work, right? She's an expert in the model that they use. So she basically is one that that they will consult, you know, what do I do or, you know, uh, and this is a preservation program, but what Sylvia is saying, it is a culture of abuse and bullying. And you have to, and, and especially if you're someone who's taken a stand for me, I've taken a stand against the trafficking, And because of that, I get a lot of heat. Um, a lot of my colleagues have left this industry. They have told me, "Anne, you need to leave, but I know that I'm on a mission. And so I refuse to leave. And so it's important that those that are in the system need to speak out. Yep, they really need to speak out. They really need to come forward. And I think this is why this battle is taking so long because the people that have the information are not on the front lines. The people that have the facts of what's going on are not speaking up and sadly, far too many of my colleagues are complicit with it and is involved in it and their paycheck are being padded
2: hmm. well I've often thought that oh two things two things brings down the whole house it's awareness and it's whistleblowers yes. you could, you could end this nightmare overnight if that happened
0: because Absolutely. people would be
2: outraged that their taxpayer money is going towards, you know, legal trafficking.
1: Oh yeah. And you know, as Tony had said, Asfa is just a a, a document crafted by Hillary to get children out of foster mm-hmm. care quicker and hassle-free. Yep.
3: I if so- if the people don't know what that is, it's the Adoption and Safe Family Act. Right. of 97.
1: Right. Which is so- what
3: monetized the removal of children.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I was speaking to pre Asfa colleague of mine, and she said, "You know, Anne, pre Asfa, we we are we were social workers who were pro family, and we understood that the challenges that the family faces or a parent faces did not happen overnight, and therefore, it's going to take some time." For them to get together. So we continue to work with them. Right? They may be in a drug program, they relapse, but we work with them. It took us two, three years, but we work with them, right? Um, we terminate when we when we went for termination, it was somebody died and there was nobody, you know, to take this child. <laughs> we had no leads, you know what I mean? Um TPR, termination of parental rights. Was not the fad. It was not trend. It was not the trend. Um, reunification was getting the, these kids back home or with a relative was the order of the day. And so what Hillary did was, we need kids. We need Adrena Crow. We need kids for the pedophiles. And so she systematically found a way to be able to say between 12, 15 months or 15 to 22 months. Let's, um, get a plan for these children, which means if the mom have not planned and if she has not done what she, they say she's supposed to do, then we will move towards filing a termination of parental rights. And so how do you expect a person that has been on substance abuse for six years, seven years that got caught? is going to be well in 12 months or in 15 months.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And so, you know, you, you, you become complicit um, with termination of parental rights. And then if the parent does everything they're supposed to do, then that's where the foster parent comes in to begin to sabotage the reunification process. And, um, that includes lying on the birth parent around visits because consistent visit is part of the reunification process. And so, you know, in, in my case, where my supervisor set up a system where the foster mother comes super early, maybe half an hour before the visit. Everybody will see her in the visiting area. The security guards see her in the visiting area five minutes before the visit is to begin or 10 minutes she leaves. The parents showed up and the foster mother is gone. And so with the children, and so with a repetitive times of this happening, you go to court and that report reflects that you have not been visiting the children huh yep. And right. the mother
0: right.
1: says, I, I, huh? the mother says, but I showed up. I was there and the foster mother left. But the report says something differently. The report said you did not visit. We've seen that a lot, haven't we, Sylvia? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, so, yeah, because this is a, this is one of the things that they would tell us if they're if they're five minutes late, if they're 10 minutes late. You end the visit and they they tell you I've had uh caseworkers tell me if uh the parents spoke ill of cPS and I was like, well, nobody speaks good of cPS not even the workers, even the workers talk yes. bad about cPS so <laughs> um, yeah. of course I didn't listen to her but but you're told these things you're you're yeah. told uh in in the session if they um uh, if they say this, this, or this in the session, if they talk negatively of CPS, uh, and uh, a lot of the caseworkers just go along with whatever they're told to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't understand this. And when I started, it's what I saw, but I don't see it much anymore People don't understand that the foster parents are facilitators to the reunification process. You're not the birth parents enemy, right? You are there to encourage the visits. You are not there to speak ill of the parent in front of the children. We have something called parent to parent because there was so much hostility there between foster parent and, and birth parent. And a lot of it is because I feel foster parents were really making a lot of money off these kids. Mm-hmm. Well, you... And
0: also, Anne, uh, these foster parents, a lot of the foster parents don't do anything unless the supervisor will tell them to, to do stuff too. Because usually uh, foster parents are, you know, compliant, you know, like help, but unless they're told by the supervisor to do something or not show up to visit or anything like that, they're told to do that.
1: I ran into a foster uh, birth parent uh, a few weeks ago and um, we were talking and I asked her about her, um, at the time was four, four year old. Uh, she's about 10 or 11 now. And so I asked her, How is she doing? And so she ended up in a kinship situation with um, the aunt, her aunt. And she was never really returned back to her mother. But because it was kinship, she never gave it a hard fight because, you know, this is a relative. Um, that's a kid I fought for that. They wanted to traffic. Mm -hmm. Um, she was not even aware of it. I told it to her. She started crying. I said, yes, I fought hard. I fought seven people in my organization in a meeting. Um, because that's Um, your child. They told me that someone called the agency and wanted your daughter and they wouldn't tell me who this person was. And I, I I dug my heels and I said, there's no reason to move this, this four-year-old she's with her her grand-aunt, she's with relatives. Um, the mother has visits to the home to see her daughter because, um, the court had given her liberal visits with the aunt supervising, right? So she could go to the home, visit her daughter. Once this anonymous person who wants this child got involved, all of a sudden the aunt turns against her niece, mm. begin to fabricate lies against her niece. She was given this child to this anonymous, wealthy person couple on weekends. Oh my gosh um, unbeknownst to the organization. Um, this is a couple that was in the park that she saw this little girl in the park with the foster mom. And so someone told the birth mother, um, this is what's going on. Do you know, she sent this kid to this couple every weekend. And so because they know the situation with me, she came to me and she said, you know, my aunt has been, I don't know who this person is. Do you know what's going on? Cause you're my caseworker. Is she supposed to be doing that? I said, I don't have any information on that, but I certainly will bring it up to my supervisor. Um, this was a supervisor was, that told me that this person wanted this child. So I said to her, are you, are, are you aware that this kid was going? to this anonymous couple, wealthy couple over the weekend. And um, she began to backtrack um, as if she didn't know, which she really was, but she knew, and now I know, right? So she was in protection mode. And so the aunt turns against her, um, begin to block her from coming to the home to visit, um, her daughter. And so she would say that the young lady was not showing up to the, to her home. Um, she was crying and saying, that's a lie. That's a lie. But again, it was her word against her niece. Right. And I knew all along that this was all a ploy to be able to traffic. This little girl, I had that inside information. The mother did i never revealed it to her but then i subsequently revealed it to her a couple of weeks ago um she started crying and she said oh my god i can't believe it goes back to what you said so i said are you seeing your your daughter now she said my aunt told me the supervisor told her i can only see my daughter twice a year."
0: twice a year
1: twice a year on her birthday and christmas and that's it
2: oh my gosh and oh, so we have
1: yeah this relative who she had a great relationship with before um and i said my suspicion is that um she's afraid your daughter is going to talk because my suspicion is that this couple is still very much involved with this um your daughter's life and so she's afraid that if you had more visits that will come to light and that she will begin to speak. God knows what they're doing with this poor child. We don't know.
3: Jeez, that was terrible.
1: Uh, Yeah.
3: I don't think a lot of people realize too that family court is a lot different than criminal court. So these parents are put under a gag order mm -hmm. and then they go to court. There's little to no oversight in family court and CPS court. And so they have nobody to turn to and the courts are doing what we've ne- I've never personally had a case where a parent has been charged with a crime. I wish they would, because at least they would get due process
0: mm-hmm.
3: the way that it is right now. They can get away with this stuff. The parents, it's like you said, you just said, you know, it's her word against her aunt's word. It's her word against the courts, um, you know. And so it's really like the parent against a beast. It's mm. it's and it's set up that way intentionally, um, and if they speak up, they're threatened. They won't have their, they won't get their children back. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say it's a broken system. It's not. It's all by design. It's a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. These are, it's a highly organized child trafficking entity.
2: Yeah, Tony, that's a great <laughs> point. Like with these people never get convicted of a crime. They have no felony, not even a misdemeanor, and yet they'll take their children from them. But it's to keep them from going before a jury of their peers. That's that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, it sounds crazy, but um, I, for the first time, though, on uh, Let Our Children Go on Tuesday night, we heard a story of they actually did have crimes on someone they pinned like crimes on all these families in pennsylvania well i'll be darned if the reason they're not doing it is because they have a kinship law in pennsylvania so to avoid the kinship they had to pin a crime on them to keep them from going with family so it's like the reverse that's the only state i've heard so far where that's happening and now there might be other states that have similar laws on the books i don't know does new york have a kinship uh, uh law in the book statute and
0: those states do,
1: yeah. Um, all states do. I don't know the thing with child welfare, they keep amending and changing and editing <laughs> these, um, you know, um, laws that they have, um, you know, in, in the family court system, um, I was working at a very high profile case out there in California, and so they got a doctor to pin a schizophrenia um, mental health on, you know, the, the parent, but they have a law on the books that says, um, for you to see your child, you have to sign a document to say, yes, I have schizophrenia. Right. And so the person, if you refuse to sign a document, you will not see your children.
0: That's what they tell them
2: so right. okay let me let me ask something real quick just so i understand so the kinship law you're saying most states probably have this on the books they just ignore it correct i mean no just it, no, it's it.
0: more like pennsylvania found a way to uh entrap parents into the prison system and the family court system um, yeah. this kinship is is basically that is supposed to have that's supposed to be the initial whenever cp yeah. This is called that is the initial that they go to a family member but they don't do that because it's not money but no that every state i believe has a kinship. it sounds like pennsylvania has found a way to uh put them through the criminal court and also through the family court
2: yeah they they coalesce it so in more money
0: right,
3: right? It, i mean yeah, they just drag
2: out yeah <clears throat> yep.
3: or they'll close the case Um, You know, if you sign that document you were talking about, and then they come back and open a new case against them. And now you have this document you signed saying you have this diagnosis and they use that against you in the next case. And I have seen that happen before, too.
1: Yeah, which is which is what I was getting to with that California law. Right. You're admitting and you're signing a document to say you have all these mental illness issues and then that they turn around and then use that against you. Um, you know, when a removal is being done, the first question you ask at a removal, are there any relatives? This is back in the the, the, the day pre-ASFA. Are there any relatives available for your children? That's one of the first questions you ask. Um, you have relatives involved that will fight for the right of their niece or nephew, grandchild, um, you know, so, uh, and, and for their, their children, right, if it's a grandparent, um, as it stands now, they're not even telling that to the parents. They're just removing them and putting them in a regular foster home. And so a lot of the parents are not even aware that my, you mean my sister could, could get my kids? because they're not even bringing that up. And in the middle of the trauma and the drama and the tears and the crying, um, they're not even thinking in that direction, right? They're just thinking, I'm losing my children. Um, And so it is a CPS responsibility to be able um, to say that. But again, um, they are rapidly changing a lot of and amending uh, the family court laws to work in their favor. And so when I was working on this very high profile case and I was speaking to the attorney who had the case, he had just retired and I needed to get access to the record, um, the, 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 the lady that I was working on this case, she said, um, I have a new attorney. You could speak to him. So I reached out to the new attorney and he said, you know, I've been speaking to the former attorney and he's been a family court attorney for 40, over 40 years and he could not wait to get out of it. He said once asphalt came into place, that's when the family court became a sewage. And he was one of the very few left in the legal system in family court that was still doing things ethically. There was just so much money flowing that everyone became so corrupt. And so when this attorney took her case and he was doing things ethically, they called child protective services on him to try to have his child removed. And so he was in a panic and i said to him that's your warning shot to back off from the case the mother already said to me she suspect that her children are being trafficked and she has voiced this and she had vocalized this and so he released the case and he said to me are you going to continue and i said yes and he said to me have you ever heard of nancy shaffer and what happened to her i said yes yeah, she was murdered And he said, I want you to be careful, because I'm a family court attorney, and I can tell you that the family court is a crime family, organized crime family syndicate. And that came from the mouth of an attorney. And so the good guys are far and few in, you know, between that you can get justice um, in the system. They write orders, whatever they want to do. They, they just write it and um, they really don't care. Um, and it's always against, you know, the families. And so the family court are not for families anymore. The family court is for themselves. It's for the money that is flowing through the family court. And I've always tell people when the elite, when the pedophiles um, want a child, they're not going to the CPS worker. They're going to judges that they have knob with at these tea and socials. They're going to approaching the commissioners that they meet up at these grantee and socials and let them know we want a child, right? And so that trickles down from the top all the way down to the bottom. And so that's when now, once it reaches down to VP, directors, supervisors, and comes down to the worker, um, that's when the worker is being told, you know, someone wants this child. And pretty much you have to get with the program and be in step with what um, your bosses are asking you to do. And if you refuse to do it, resign or be fired.
0: Or your life is made
1: miserable. Or your life is made a living hell. And I do believe also that they are now hiring people that are willing to be part of uh, the trafficking. Um, one of the things I'm seeing, even with working with our, with, with you know, preserving families, um, is that our deafest uh, administration of children's services, they're not returning phone calls, they're not responding to email. I was speaking to a supervisor friend of mine, and she said to me, "And I had something happen to me um, this week, and I said, what happened? She said, I was working on the case. You know, the mom had some issues, but she has some great strengths, and so I document. You know, in spite of what mom is going through, she's doing this, she's doing that, she's applying to college, so it's looking great for her kid to stay with her. And Monday, when I went into system, it wasn't there. Imagine
0: that. Because
1: it was strengthening.
0: Mm-hmm, it was. Strength this based. is something else that they do. So, um, yeah. I, and I was not allowed to. Put the strengths of the biological parents in my notes. Were you or are
1: you? I did. I, I, I did. But when I went in there, it was altered. Mm-hmm. It was removed. It was taken out. And then it was verbalized to me after my report was reviewed take that out. When resources, credible resources were found. I was told not to put it in the report. Yeah. And so um, there was one case that um, I gave to my supervisor uh, for review. And she would never give me my reviewed case until it's like 15 minutes before we go into the courtroom. (laughs) By the time she emails it to me in court, and I print it and read it. It's a whole different report from what I wrote. And it's not for the mother. And so I remember a particularly report that I did. And once, you know, the attorney's like, did you get the report? I said, I'm texting her. She's not responding. She texts me back. She said, I just sent email you the report in court. When I read that report, two thirds of it, was redone, rewritten, and rigged against the mother.
2: And it has your signature on it?
1: And it has only my signature on it. And so I handed out to my, gave him several copies, which we have to give like seven or five, so the judge can have, all the attorneys can have. I gave it to him, and while he's reading, he gave it out to the other parties, the mother's attorney stormed over to where we were sitting. And she said to me, Miss Elliot, you will be put on the stand today. This is not a report. It's a personal attack on my client. And a lot of this that's in this report can be disproved. So you will be going on the stand today. And so the attorney for the agency um, looked at me and said, That's correct, Miss Elliot. And he was an old school attorney, he was an old guy. He said, that's correct, this is, you really went in on this mother. And I said, I didn't write two thirds of that. Um, My supervisor reviewed it and she did. And he said, well, it's only your name on it. I said, I know. He said, you know, you're going to understand today. I said, absolutely. And I'm well prepared to go understand. And so I was placed on the stand um, and I was question about the report. And all I could say was I cannot respond to that my supervisor reviewed it she interacted with the with the mother. And that's what she put in the report. And so I cannot respond. And that's what I kept saying. And so eventually they they took me off the stand. So yes, um, rigged reports is something that was prevalent. And when I told one of my colleagues what happened, she said, and the same thing happened to me with my supervisor. I work with this parent. She did everything she's supposed to do. And when it was time for the kids to be returned, the supervisor took over the case. She rigged all the reports and that lady lost her children. And then when I was vocal about it, um, They accuse me of being too emotionally involved with the mother, overcompensating, um, you know, all the mental health stuff and maybe she needs to go on vacation and, you know, all of that stuff. So this is what happens in foster care. You really have to be tough and you really have to take a stand and push back. Mm -hmm. Um, And I
0: also noticed that when I pushed back, um they kind of back off
1: yes and they will mm-hmm. you have to know your rights you have to know the law yeah you have to i think my threats is what scares them because if i'm going to say i just told my program manager last week two weeks ago I said, I'm trying to figure out why is it when I go into the system to upload my documents, two cursors come up on my laptop It's supposed to be one. It means every time I log in, someone else is connected to my system because it's not supposed to have two cursors that pop up just one, right? And I said to her, um, if any um documents are altered or removed, that's a crime punishable by six years. Because these documents are for court, for court proceedings. So when they know that you know law (laughs) and you you expound and you let them know, they're gonna be very careful. Because you're not just prosecuting one person, you're going all the way up the line. And we have had that done in New York. Six supervisors went to prison for three years. Oh, good. Good. Because, because um, they were forcing, um, oh my God, this was like 2002, I think they were forcing uh, the workers to falsify records and to rig um, the progress notes and they refused and they fired them. And so all those workers that were fired got together and filed a report against them. And so when they investigated it, um, all the supervisors were charged and given prison sentence and then New York kind of put, Put that on the books that it's punishable by law that you will be uh, it's a criminal offense you will be charged and you will you can go to prison to six years um the reality is many are afraid to speak out um to say that my supervisor um rigged my report altered my report because what happens is by the time you get to another agency the cult Calls and say get rid of her, right? Because they are a community of criminals mm-hmm. um, that have it's a syndicate, right? Solidarity mm-hmm. and immunity, mm-hmm. right? So in New York City, there's only 25 like foster care agency. There was 45 when I started. They consolidated down now. I think to 20 right so anywhere you go it's so easy to find you and so if you push back on one you push back against that cult that organized crime syndicate and so they come after you until they force you out
2: yeah you're and essentially so- you're essentially picking their pockets taking dollars right absolutely. out of their out of their wallets
1: mm-hmm. absolutely Absolutely. So it's it's been, um, you know, one that you really have to stand up for yourself, know your rights, know the law on the books. And once they know that, you you know, um, you will have them nervous because they see that you're not back. You know, you're not backing down. Um, my housing management was involved with them. Um, that's how I was poisoned because someone was being paid to come into my apartment and tamper my food. And so now, before I leave, I chain my refrigerator. <laughs> um, my
2: <gosh. laughs> last,
1: yeah. So the last incident that happened, I became extremely vocal, confronted the person that was being paid to do it. Spoke to the supervisor within the building, uh, that this was happening. Um, and so it got to a, a point where um, they were strategizing how to evict me, right? And so the person that was behind it, begin to tell the, the head person over the whole thing that, and, and they did this before, oh, she, you need to call adult protective services Um, maybe there's some mental problems going on with her. And so there was this thing now being created to have me evicted or have, uh, their mental health people come in to do some kind of assessment, which they did before. And so the, I don't know if you know of, um, Rashid Buttar, how they poisoned him. Well, that's what they were trying to do to me. He just passed away in May. And so I was very vocal and I, I, I refused to back down on it. And so all of a sudden she retired and someone else, you know, uh, took over. She resigned, left, and someone took over. Um, the building manager before that was doing it, I put it on social media. That uh, the superintendent in my building is being paid to poison me and I wanted everyone to know that if I passed away, and the medical examiner said I committed suicide, it is not the truth. My supervisor is in, is being paid to poison me. That was a Friday by Monday they sent out an email that he's been transferred to another county to another building in one of their counties. And so he was gone. And so um, you got to be, you know, as I said, the first step is courage. Mm Yeah. The first step
2: is courage. And it's because you're so outspoken. It's because Mm -hmm. you're out front. You know, you're not hiding in the shadows. That's why we've, this is what we've been talking about as a team with, with uh, even with Megan's case. It's like, you got to keep these people on their heels. Otherwise they're just going to run over you. They're bullies. What do you do to a bully on a a playground? You go up to him and, you know, get right in his face. Say, give me, give that kid his lunch money back. (laughs) You know, you don't just let him run the playground.
3: They're like bullies on steroids. I mean, they go as far as to poison and dox and hack. And, you know, I've been targeted as well. None of us here are suicidal, but we're not going to stop. Like, and, you know, God bless you. And, And Sylvia too, you guys being in the system, I can't even imagine. Um, When I first met Sylvia, she was still working as a social worker and it was driving her crazy. It was, it was tough on her because she saw the corruption day in and day out. So what you're Mm. doing is so, so important. You know, I know a lot of people, um, you know, can't take it and stuff. And I think Sylvia had another mission that she was supposed to do, like with rescue the Fosters and stuff. But well, and us you too. Know, I you're...
0: keep telling her yeah. to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: but you know, like, but then the whistleblowers on the inside are so important too. So it's just everybody has um, a different part to play. But it does take courage. It does take everybody coming together and speaking up because really, it's the children who need us to. They're the ones suffering.
1: Absolutely. And what we don't realize that I know about bullies, they're really cowards.
0: Yep. They really and, are.
1: And they don't like confrontation. They hate oh, absolutely. But for every schoolyard bully, there's a kid that is courageous to stand up to them. And that kid is going to be me in the schoolyard. And I refuse to back down. I'm dealing with my bully now for 10 years. And um, I refuse to back down. And um it is widely known in the child welfare. They call me the whistleblower or they call me Nancy. Right? That's my my Uh, name. That's quite the compliment. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, for me it is a compliment. You know, they call me Nancy or the whistleblower. Mm-hmm. And they know that I'm very vocal. So being very vocal and, you know, as I said before, there are some good judges on the bench and in their own way, they've made it known to me. I'm one of you. I'm with you. Keeps, keep talking, keep speaking out. Um, it, it will be by a symbol they wear on their robe, a the symbol of a dove to say, I'm with you. We know this is going on, but we can't afford to lose our bench right now, but keep speaking out. And so it is going to take courage on our part. That's the first step. Take, it has to start with courage. Bullies are coward. That is a fact and that is what I know. Um, I don't know if you all know about Elizabeth Hardin-Weinstein's story. Um, That one is just so heartbreaking. And um, she had found out her husband in 2020 was a pedophile, an attorney, and he was also sexually abusing their children, I believe. And so the whole legal system turned against this woman. And she was um, disenfranchised, dispossessed, disinherited, um, wiped out, but she never stopped speaking out. Uh, Her husband um, had her kidnapped into a medical kidnapping, and she was in a psychiatric facility for three months, pumped her up with all kinds of psychotropic drugs, let her back out. She kept speaking. Um, The last time I spoke to one of my you know, one of us in, 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 in champion this cause said he locked her up again. She was locked away for six months and, and keep pumping her up again with psychotropic drugs and, you know, have a dossier now of mental uh, diagnosis on her. And so I spoke to her about two weeks ago. I gave her a call and I said, listen, I'm willing to go on a tour with you uh, to exonerate you. Uh, to debunk um, what's happening to you, because I know for a fact in this system that the mental illness is weaponized, that there are psychiatric uh, doctors that are willing to rig and make up and fabricate mental health diagnoses on those that they're after. More so, the drugs that they're giving her has adverse effects. Because I've had so many youths, and this is the big pharma end of it, that was given so much psychotropic drugs, they were seeing dark sh- shadows all over the place. They were going into psychosis and zombie-like effect. And so when I told them, I said, listen, you're 15, you're 16 is up to you. You don't have to take the stuff. You just let your, I don't have, I said, no, it's up to you. You make a decision. And so when they stopped taking it, all the psychotic stuff that they were going through behind these three and four drugs that they were being given stopped. And they became functional. So I know what these drugs do. And so when they give you these drugs and you begin to have these episodes and these hallucinations behind these drugs, then they're adding on more psychiatric diagnosis to what you already have. And so this is very something that is systematic. It's intentional and it's purposeful to get accomplished what it is they're trying to accomplish, right? Which is to exonerate the criminals, vilify and persecute those on the front line fighting this system against child sex trafficking, and so it's it's a real um, fight that we have in our hands um, with a system um, that is have such a strong solidarity to each other and the crime that they're involved in. It's like the mafia. It's a family.
0: Yeah. It, like, it is for real. And, and they're, uh, they're really ghetto. Have you noticed
1: that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really a crime family. <laughs> um, talking about the church, you know, the church is, is, is becoming a front. Um I was listening to, I think it was Jesse Zabota and she was talking about churches that looks legitimate, Mm
3: -hmm. but
1: actually, um, are very involved in being a front because the church is trusting. And so the offshoot of that is begin to raise up these nonprofits connected to the church that are really trafficking centers. Right.
2: Yeah, that's hard truth. No one wants to hear this, especially if you're a Christian. Uh, but they yeah. do. They hide behind the cross. They hide behind the four walls. And it's and again, I, I, I don't want to paint with that broad brush, but most congregants, people belonging to a church, whatever, they don't even know this is going on. They have no idea. But I will tell right. you this. A lot of the elders and pastors know
1: and oh, you're gonna yeah, be held accountable.
2: The yeah, yeah.
1: They're the ones doing it. And mm-hmm. and even though they're all out in California, it's really to target Christians because they know that Christians, a Christian parent is never going to be gender-affirming. And a lot of these um, transgender are also pedophiles. They're also sex into the sex trafficking. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen Sound of Freedom yet. Mm -hmm. Yep, I have not. Have you seen
0: it? I saw it. Yes, it was really good.
1: It was really good. And just the first 15 minutes, I was horrified. Um, And I I think that is so typical of what we're seeing. Um, People that we look up to, um, that we trust, People that we feel are doing good. Um, this the, the the lady, and I hear it's from a true story. I'm not sure, but the lady who was recruiting the children was actually uh, a beauty queen winner mm-hmm. contestant that just went out to pick up children because she thought they were cute and would make good children model, or they were very talented, and she brought them you know, spoke to their parents and the parents are excited. They just hand their children over uh, to this lady. And before you know it, she loaded them up in a van and she was gone. And she gave them all these children to pedophiles. So we are in a crisis. It is a national crisis that we're in. And um, we have to really, parents have to really, um, begin to educate even their children um, about luring lowering and grooming and I'm, I've seen a lot of that in foster care where these young girls um, you're wearing the most expensive stuff uh, you're gone two and three days you're not telling us who this boyfriend is and a lot of them are really being trafficked and we just lost a 16-year-old youth to trafficking. And it's just heartbreaking to me. Um, we we almost is 100% sure that he has been trafficked. He's gone. He's disappeared. Um, there was an older hey. man. that.
0: Yeah. Hey. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: There was an older man, I think, uh, you know, sent out the last text, 16-year-old. And so, um, when I heard that I was, I was heartbroken, um, about it. We have not heard from him since, um, his phone is not, you know, text is not going anywhere anymore. And that was it
0: considered a runaway.
1: No, um, I think he was lured by friends of his, um, he was having some challenges with his mother. And he was with a group of guys who were also um, LGBTQ. And um, I think they were involved with older men. And I think they lured him. Um, Exacerbate the unfortunate situation between him and his mother. Oh, you can come and live with us. We'll take care of you. And so being in this country for a very short time, took up the order. He felt this was a community, friends, you know, they're going to help me. And um, we heard that he was, uh, people saw him with this real older man out in the streets. And it was very suspect. And before you know it, that was it. It was a text that said, Mom, I love you. You know, the goodbye text. And um and that was it. We lost this kid.
3: That's so sad.
1: Yeah. Uh for me that was just very, very heartbreaking. Um, I did that family team conference and I was very scared for this kid, and and my worst nightmare came through. Mm. I I had another kid um that was prostituted also. And I I told him, you know, listen, um, If you need money for food, for groceries, please, (laughs) you know, I'll give it to you. Come by the agency. So he would come by and I would feed him and give him a few dollars and, you know, make sure he was okay. And, um, he just found me on Facebook last week. He's 25 now. Oh Um, yeah. So when I left, he was 17 and uh, when he, he had called me a couple months later, you know, and, um, a year later and he told me oh you have the same number just want you to know I signed myself out of um, you know foster care and I said well that's good and that's bad I wish you had stayed in and got your own apartment and so we never we kind of lost touch but he found me on Facebook he's 25 now and so I try he's living with a 50 year old man so that again is suspect Mm -hmm. Um, so I tried to you know, still giving money for groceries and food and things like that. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out why he's not eating or why he's not fed. Um, you know, but this is, this is where it's, it's 25 now. So, you know, he's making his own decisions, but, um, this is what's going on out there. And it's a national crisis and, and the system itself is not being proactive about it. It's very soft. The work on it is very soft. Um, In terms of, you know, we have a child trafficking screening and that's it. It asks about three or four questions and that's it. And for this, as I said, for the statistic, we ought to be more aggressive. Right. Yeah, the the, the child welfare system ought to be more aggressive on this end about trafficking of children, but they're not because they are part of it. And they recruit each other. Um, The staff recruits each other into doing it. And so attempts have been made to recruit me, you know, and I push back. Um, Financial incentives are involved, you know, and so a lot of people are on the take. I was thinking about that young lady that was in the picture with um, Hillary Clinton, <laughs> right? She's a recruit. She's she's budding up with Hillary Clinton, she's taking money. She's trafficking children. And um, that family, Terry, those children were trafficked, was, was intentionally taken away by the system. There was no reason for those children to be taken. Behind a 17 year old who they claim has anorexia that is not a removal case
2: and and in that right. case the doctor lied about her weight it was ten it was eleven yeah, pounds right. lighter than she actually was yeah
3: and she was what an inch and a half t- uh, shorter than they said yeah so she was actually yeah. the right weight, right. weight for what exactly. she should have been mm-hmm
1: yeah, but at the same time, she's the, the issue. I'm. The, 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 what I'm saying here, she is 17 year old. 17 years old, right? Um, if she doesn't eat, you know, you have all these young girls. The first thing that will come to my mind, you have all these young girls that are trying to be supermodel, right? They're not eating. But we're talking about a 17 year old who controls her food. She's the only one that was thin out of how many children, five or seven? Uh, they have seven, they have seven, seven. children.
2: But, but, you know, the thing about that was if you look at, I mean, Mark and Terry are tall and thin also. I mean, it's just genetics. Right. <laughs> they're very thin people. They're very tall people. So it was not abnormal for their oldest daughter to resemble them. I mean, obviously, but, you know, it's biology 101. And yet they just, that's what they needed. That was the tool they had in their bag to remove their oldest and then get the rest of them because you know there was false allegations and i mean and we're and if the audience doesn't know we're talking about mark and terry stamen um they're my co-hosts on let our children go on tuesday nights uh follow them at heritage and freedom coalition or let our children go.org um they've done tremendous work they run kathleen wind show in arizona today did a great job on that um, but I got to tell you, like, it's horrifying that they removed seven children. That was back in 2016 and in uh-huh. Mark and Terry, Mark and Terry refused to follow any case plans or anything. CPS told them they went the, the, you know, legal route uh-huh. and they've, they've talked to senators, congressmen, I mean, the Supreme court, like it doesn't matter. No one, people would say they were going to help, but then no one ever followed through. They would get to a uh-huh. certain point and then they would just drop off. And it's because, just like Anne is telling everybody tonight, follow the money. It's about right. money. It's about incentives. It's about these people. It, and maybe there are people that wanted to do good and wanted to do, but they were told, "Shut up, or we're coming after your family." See, it's mm-hmm. there's all this blackmail. Yeah. There's threats. It's terrible. It's it's got, I don't, and that's what we're all up they against. They really do
0: make your life like like Anne said. I mean, she's been poisoned. She's been. Every, all, all of my harassment stopped when I left the system that's when it stopped mm. um, but yeah I mean it was it was non-stop even well in the within the facilities that I was working for uh but also I would have people you know show up at my house and say they were watching me and uh you know one tra- one guy tried to get me to get come to his car and I could tell he was trying to get me in the car so I you know I didn't get close enough to where he could but um and then they would I mean they were just literally stalking nonstop. and uh one parent she she received a call from uh one of the cases I was on um because I'd asked for an audit of Gwinnett County um, and so they took me off her case and she received a call, like a threatening call saying that they got me removed from her case. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, but as soon as I left the system, that's when all the harassment stopped.
1: Yeah, you will, you will be stalked, You will be harassed. Um, you know, mm-hmm. life has been cut, become so vastly um different in the last 10 years. Um, you know, even you know, the path, I have a straight path to the supermarket, but I tend to do different paths now, you know, <laughs> not going the especially if it's late. You know, I walk different routes, you know, um, not to track the same route all the time, um, for fear that someone is watching me, mapping my route and, you know, um, would try to kidnap me because I know have been watched. Right. Um, and so the monitoring, the spying, um, the whole thing about the recording, knowing that every phone conversation is being recorded. Um, like mm-hmm. someone else, you know, my phone is hacked. My laptop, my system is hacked. Um, every time I turn my laptop on, they have access to all that information. Like right now I'm on this program, they have access to it, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, they have access access to my frame uh, laptop. So my life has been drastically um, quite um, different, um, the last couple of years of, you know, my own conscientiousness of what's going on around me and with everybody else that has spoken out and what can happen. Um, as I said, it took courage for me to come out to say, well, you know, if I die, it's going to be a win-win situation. (laughs) Right. Um, you know, and speaking to the FBI, having that go nowhere, speaking to mm-hmm. three hours I sat with the inspector general, that went nowhere. Um, speaking to the police officers and community affairs, that went absolutely nowhere. Um, when I was being poisoned and they would leave queues around my apartment, you know, um, for instance, when I was typing a letter about the time with my supervisor to report this, you know, um, I know I shut off my laptop, you know, my, my laptop was down, the, the The letter was in my um, hard drive, but my, my laptop was still open. When I came home, somebody had brought that letter back up for me mm-hmm. to see and print a copy and put it on top of my laptop. When my, I was on the phone with my friend and she was like, and you know, maybe you should have internal affairs come over and dust your apartment for prints and stuff because I told her they came and they removed documents. They removed documents that I took from my workplace to prove what I was saying, emails. They took it and then they brought it back, which means they took copies of it. Um, They... When she told me that, I said, you know what? I am going to speak to the police department. I'm gonna call them tomorrow when I get home and I'm going to you know, have them come over, speak to them, see what can be done. When I got home that day, opened my refrigerator, on top of my shelf was a rub- rubber glove in the refrigerator. So what they were saying to me, we have been very careful so you will not find any prints. So they put a rubber glove in the refrigerator where they have been poisoning my food to let me know. They will not be tracked and they will not be traced. Uh, have An I been aunt. fearful? Not really.
2: And to just so the audience, for some that have just joined, um, so they're probably wondering, well, how are they getting in her apartment? And you had mentioned it earlier with the, you know, I don't know if you want to briefly cover that again, just so yeah, everybody understands. Yes.
1: My lease, um in in my lease, it is clearly stated that management has to have a copy of your key. Um, it's part of the policy within the lease. So not giving them a key means they can go to court and have you evicted. Um, so they have a key for every you know, everyone's apartment. So what I did, um, after a couple of poisonings, I changed my top lock. I emailed them. I said, I've been, I'm being poisoned in my apartment. Um, and so I'm going to be changing my lock. And so I changed the lock. Uh, two, three years ago, and um, so you know, I thought i I thought I was safe, but eventually, when they couldn't get in, they came to me probably um, two months later, and they demanded a key for the the lock that I had changed. And so I told them I was not giving them a key. And they said, if you don't give us a key, then we're going to have a file, a case against you in housing court to have you evicted. I said, please go file the case because I want housing court to hear my story. And I want you to know that I'm very familiar with housing court. I've been in a child welfare system. I've been advocating for our clients with landlord tenant issues. And I've gone to housing court with my clients and while sitting there the cases that I've heard of what landlords and management does to tenants to get them out of the building get them out of the apartment my story will not be unusual to the fact that I have been poisoned being poisoned by the management here um when I tell that story in the courts and I said, the, the family court that I go to, they've seen my face there enough. So they pulled back. And what they did, and incidentally, they were recording all that conversation. So after all of that, they um, a few days later, my bell rings, a lady comes in, Adult Protective Services, and I'm like, What are you doing here? And she said, well, we got a call from the management. Um, They just wanted us to come and check you, check out things to see if you're mentally well. Um, Because, you you know, they said you're you're been claiming that you're being poisoned. (laughs) And so my response to her, listen, we're not going down that road. I said, you work in social service. And so do I. So let's talk about what's going on here. And so after I spoke to her and everything, um, she believed everything I said. And um, within a few weeks, they sent me back a letter and said, "Miss Elliott is very mentally uh, competent and fit and does not need our services. Needless to say, um, they got a master key and now my lock on my door is of no use to me. And so the person who kind of enlightened that to me, I don't know if um, Suzette, that's in our inbox, our Facebook inbox that I sent, introduce you guys. Mm
0: -hmm. Well,
1: she has had to change locks over and over and over. It doesn't matter what she puts there. They always have been able to get in and have access to her apartment. So it really doesn't stop them. It really doesn't. I put in cameras and they disabled it from my phone. And so, you know, this is where I'm at right right now. Yeah. So I'm kind of like in the process of trying to move and I'm like, you know, but what would that solve? You know, I could just hope that the management will not go along with them, um, you know, to be able to get access to my apartment. Um, The young man that I confronted, however, they transferred him to another building. So, you know, being vocal Um, making it hot on their trails and they see that you're about business, it scares them because you're talking about court, you're talking about lawsuit, you're talking about them being in the papers and they don't want that. You know, so um, I always tell people the first thing that it takes to come forward is courage and knowing what you're going to get into and know what it's going to cost you and be willing to pay that price. And I had to be willing when I realized it was okay if I got killed. (laughs) Um, That's when my courage kicked in and I said, okay, I'm going forward. And your family don't understand your fight. You know, your your family, like everybody else, your family think you're crazy. Um, You know, because they don't understand the fight. They don't understand what's going on out there that's part of the
0: technique though it's to isolate you
1: yes Um, and some family have been infiltrated
0: yeah that's true too
1: there are families that have been infiltrated and um i'm working with a young lady now in nigeria um it's not a trafficking in uh incident it's more of a gang stalking but that's basically what we're dealing with also Uh, being gang stalked by a network of pedophiles uh, child trafficking, you know, criminals who are always watching us, monitoring us, um, recording us, hacking um, our electronics, um, having us reported, sabotaged, undermined. Um, you know, so it 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 is something that we're up against that how's it gonna crack? We have to begin to solicit the voices to come forward. That's number one, what, what I mentioned earlier. And also we have to build an army that is unified. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about every group that have gotten anything in this country was unified. The bogus Black Lives Matters was unified. Mm-hmm. They marched, they were loud, they gathered in states, in cities, in counties. They marched and they got what they wanted. Women's suffrage, women went out. They marched as a community. They marched as women who wanted to have the right to vote. They congregate in cities, in counties and state and they got the right to vote. The civil rights movement, the same thing. They marched state by state, county by county. They were loud. They never stopped marching and everybody ended up in Washington, DC. Right now we're in a situation where we are so fragmented um, in what we're doing. And until we organize, until all the grassroots anti-traffickers across this nation organize and solidify and become loud and very strong and begin to push back with our bullhorn and our microphones and taking a stand and especially as the church and become vocal and become a voice that refused to back down and refuse to back up we, we, we will begin to have credible voices that are standing with us, that are backing us, that are pushing back. And that's the only way we're going to begin to get back, get what we want. We want laws in place. We need yeah, that's,
2: to. That also happened with the school boards. You know, the mama Absolutely. bears came out against CRT and some of these other transgender issues. Yeah.
1: And they knocked it down. They knocked down CRT, right? We had governors speaking about CRT, right? We have parents that have have, have bombarded school, right, to the point where the FBI is trying to have them not assemble by calling them domestic terrorists. But that's how powerful their voices became. And so we on the front line um, need... To um, begin to assemble, begin to a march, begin to be loud. And um, one of the challenges that we face, and I realize that we face, is also infiltrators <laughs> or spies oh, yeah. in the movement that are in to find out what's the strategy, yeah. you know. But we must realize that we have got to assemble on the one voice, and that is against the trafficking of children in this country. It's amazing that The Sound of Freedom is doing so well at the box office. And that is speaking volumes because it is opening a lot of people's eyes to what really is going on. Millions um, are going to see this movie and its I think it's beginning to spearhead um, an awareness
0: yeah.
1: of mm-hmm. the tra- of, of children um, that is going on in this country. But we need to unify, we need to solidify our voices together on this one platform um, and begin to march and to be, begin to be vocal um, and to begin to get to Washington and um, begin to push back for stricter laws on the book. Um, what happened in in California was devastating, and that speaks volume. Um, that the Democrats voted against stricter prosecute uh, against having a stricter uh, prosecution against child sex trafficking. Um, that's horrifying. It says a lot about the Democratic Party. And um, I was having that conversation with a couple of colleagues. Um, Yesterday at lunch, I was the only Republican <laughs> after they were tearing Trump to shreds. <laughs> and um, I listened to everyone and I had to just give them a brief history lesson of the Democratic <laughs> Party. Um, <laughs> um, the Democratic Party um, and what's going on and um, pretty much silence their voice. Um, if you're going to support something, at least have the knowledge. Right. <laughs> you're supporting. Right? Yeah. The problem, yeah, that's a problem we're having with Trump, and especially in the Black community. Let's stop voting skin. And let's focus right. on policy. Right. It's, it's and, about
3: action at this point. And there's a lot of people who say they're all about saving the children yeah you know we've we've been talking about this a lot lately is um but who's actually doing something grassroots Uh in the communities like helping cases helping parents getting out there talking to your legislators Uh those are the people that are legit anybody you know there anybody can say oh save the children everybody get out there but what are you doing stop Uh talking um you know, and not to to go off on a rant, but, oh, um, no, you know, it's just there are infiltrators and we do need to be careful. We do need to be vetting people. But at the same time, like no fear. We absolutely. do need to come together and vet to make sure that the people who are joining in this movement and this fight are legitimately here for the right reasons. We Uh need to be working together as a team and unified. And that's how we're going to get things done. I mean, things are happening. And I think the reason that Sound of Freedom is so big right now is because saving the children is, it's not a political issue. It hits both sides. It hits all sides. Uh Um, It should anyway. They try to, you know, some people try to make it political, but it's not. Um, And so... I mean, obviously, we have to fight it it politically, but yeah. Um, But yeah, we just don't be fearful. Like you said, it takes courage. Obviously, be cautious because, yes, we've been targeted many times. It it doesn't scare me either.
2: No, it actually
3: empowers me and infuriates me, and Mm -hmm. I won't stand for it. And it actually makes me want to work harder. So, um, you know. No, I'm not suicidal. And I will say that again. I'm not suicidal.
2: None of us know what? are. None of us are. You know what? An unintended, an unintended um, thing that's happened from Sound of Freedom is that what's happened is the roaches are coming out of the woodwork right now against the movie saying oh this is all conspiracy theory there's none of this going on this pedophilia and, and this trafficking of children all this stuff they're coming out of the woodwork so they're they're actually exposing themselves but because yeah. the truth what does the truth do the truth exposes lies that's what it does and the truth is light and when it and it when it shines into those dark recessed corners where the roaches are they come f- crawling out of there and they're coming out of the woodwork right now trying to you know dispel this movie now what, whatever anybody thinks of tim ballard Good, bad, and different, whatever. Exposure's right. happening right now, and we're going to use it to our Absolutely. advantage.
3: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I think it's a great and that's thing that's happening. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've talked about mm-hmm. that a lot because everyone's so, so opinionated about it. But does it really matter if it's bringing, it, I mean, obviously it matters, but that's not where our concern is. It's bringing attention to the child trafficking issue that we've been screaming about for years, and finally people are paying attention.
0: Mm-hmm. So now
3: is the time, now is the time to take that and use that as, you know, to rubber band us forward, you know, and and do something together because now people are, people want to get involved. People are paying attention. Now's the time.
1: Yeah, it's it's really bringing up, uh, you know, bringing about an awareness of, of this child trafficking and what's going on. And, um, you know, what even surprises me a lot Um, Being vocal about it, even, you know, to the church, Um, you know, people are feeling like uh, you missed your calling, you're missing your calling, or you're walking away from your calling, because you're getting into politics. This is not politics. First of all, there's no, the, the, the two, two party politics only exist in name only. What we're up against right now is a Babylonian B system. There's only two parties. There's only two systems that we're working against, not de- uh, Republican and Democrats,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? It's light and darkness. Amen. That's what we're working against now at this juncture in this nation. It's not Democrats. It's not Republican. That's in name only what, what the whole, the whole thing that's been played out now in our nation is light, the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. And that's it. You're either on one side or you're on the other.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: always tell people the demons of the devil devils are hidden in the Democrat, what we know as a democratic party. And so it is out of that we see all the evils and the floodgate of everything that is evil and everything that is corrupt in this nation is flowing out of that stream. And that stream and that party is filled with pedophiles, supporters, Um, that stream is filled with all manner of corruption that is going on and even when you look uh i don't know how trump do it what is he 78 years old
2: i think so uh,
1: amazing the resilience and the strength of that man is amazing but he's not backing down um and so this is what he's rattling them you know, his resilience and his strength keep pushing and moving forward. The reality is they have lost. Yeah. They have already lost the 2024 20, election. They know that. And so, everything now that is being done to Donald Trump is to keep him out of office because they know once he gets back in office, a lot of this is over. There's going to be a mass reversal of these transgender law because his um, administration was committed to that and reversed all of that Obama transgender policy, which Biden comes in and then they put it back in place. And so um, this is what the battle is about. It's not the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. It is about darkness and light and it's spiritual. Uh, there is a spiritual war for the soul of this nation. And the the, the, the ones that are to combat this is the church. Um, the one that is to really stand against this and make a difference is the church, the body of Christ. Um, one thing I've said Um, Satan understand the covenant of uh, the power of blood covenant. And um, he understood that the church was was birthed out of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so we understand the need for the shedding of blood to empower the kingdom of darkness. And so this is part of why The spoiling of the innocent, the sacrifice of the innocent uh, children is so essential to this Babylonian B system because it goes back um, thousands of years when Nimrod, the architect of Babylon, um, instituted child sacrifice. That's Mm. where it's coming from. It was back then and it still is what's needed to empower that dark kingdom even today and so this battle that we're in is not a political battle it's a spiritual battle because the children that they need um the reason that they need these children is to sustain that kingdom not a lot of people understand that because it is Mm -hmm. spiritual Um, I understand that from a ministerial point of view, but that's the real battle that we're fighting, but it's going to take a lot of courage on our part to keep allowing our voices to speak out, uh, to continue to take a stand, to push back, um, to dig our heels in. And, um, I am inspired by so many stories of people who was willing to take up the challenge. And, and was able to win.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I think it's doable. I think it can be done. And we just need to be an organized force to push forward and get it done.
2: Yeah. Amen. I think we're heading for a Red Sea mo- moment. And you know what's, what's interesting? And I think it can be very daunting when you look at the whole system and the Babylonian system and what's going on in this world. It's all tied together. And that's yes. that's that's their weakness is that they all are interconnected it's built yeah. on sand so the bigger yeah. they the bigger they are the harder they fall and mm-hmm. I that's what we're heading towards that we're heading towards a big fall and uh yes. look I, I'm I'm in the opinion I don't think we get to 2024 elections I have a feeling there's going to be some things that happen before 2024 and I'm I'm well. fairly confident <laughs>
1: Yeah, the White House is not a crack house. So
2: they have desecrated every possible institution, haven't they? That's that's actually legit.
0: (laughs) You know, something
3: I keep hearing a lot of people saying is that, gosh, everything's so bad right now. And yeah, to me, to me, it's always been this way. To me, this is a sign we're winning.
0: Yes. because
3: you see it now it's not any different than it's ever been it's like it's like god's light is shining so bright right now that the cockroaches just can't even hide in the dark anymore so they're just scattering and we're seeing the scatter yes. so it's not that it hasn't been here there's nothing new under the sun we're we're seeing what's been hidden and he's exposing it and you know it needs to happen that way for us to make change
1: Yes. I mean, every, I mean, with the movie and I've heard some of the, you know, the backlash of the movie, but I'm just fo- focusing on the positive aspects of it. Um, people are running out to see this movie and it's bringing an awareness. Um, people are talking about it. So, you know, the conversation is, you know, is, is going and um, there, you know, as I said, every movement had, had its moment. And was able to win that battle. And so um, I believe Nancy Schaefer opened this thing up. Um, it started, I think you guys ever heard of Georgia Tan? No. Oh. Who? Her name is Georgia Tan. She was um, she was like the the the, the lead of um Trafficking children through foster care for the elite. This was, uh, you know, many, many, so many, many years ago. Uh, The rich, the famous, and the powerful. I think that's Mm -hmm. her name. You're Googling it, um, Gino. Um, So she, you know, I think this was probably back in the 40s or 50s um, that this thing goes way back. But then um, after her, her exposure, then everything died down. And then it took Nancy Schaefer to resurrect it and begin to expose it. So we've been in this battle now uh, since Nancy Schaefer's murder and um, her exposing it. That's the woman. Um, you know, that's the woman. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, we've been in this fight. We've gathered some steam, we've gathered some momentum. I think it's getting really hot in foster care. Unfortunately, the good people have ran out and the bad people are forced out. A lot of them are forced out. If you're not in compliance, that they're going to force you out. But it's going to take some uh, courageous people, even if it means I've got to switch my career. Um, I've got to become an entrepreneur, find a yeah. way to support myself.
2: <laughs> yeah. Sylvia,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> DoorDash. <laughs> and Rescue the Fosters.
3: You, you know, that was that's amazing what you've built there, and mm-hmm. and I think you should. I think you should go work with Rescue the Fosters too. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: There
1: you go. <laughs> start North. Start New York.
2: She, yeah. yeah you mean, can have different.
1: I'm, I'm doing work out here, and so. Um, I met with a a, a a young lady from I think it's Virginia, and she's very well connected to a lot of um a lot of the work that they're doing out there to the very high levels. And um she we we had a Zoom call two weeks ago. So we're trying to um plan and implement this March um within a year. Um, she has the connections, um, the political, uh, people that are backing her against this anti-traffic sex trafficking things. Um, they've wrote some policies even for the, the, the curriculum for the school. Uh, it's amazing to me that we have so much agenda being pushed in there about LGBTQ. Oh, Maya. Children are being threatened by trafficking. And there's nothing in the schools about that, right? Right. Uh, Yeah. Okay. And so um, we had our first meeting. And so we're trying to uh, begin to strategize what that's going to look like in terms of getting a nationwide call, push, gathering, community, um, to solidify, uh, to move forward. An army is not, uh, uh, you know, scattered. An army is a collective community, collective organized community that comes together um, with one mission, one vision, one focus. And so um, we were even talking about, because most of what we're seeing is um, women that are being done injustice. And. I have one case where it's a male, you know? So we we can't forget the dads too that are going through this. Um, and, you know, the, the, the father that I'm dealing with is being accused um, by the wife, you know? Um, not so much of sexual allegations, but using the court because she has the power to weaponize the court system um, against him, to stop him from seeing his children. And so Mm -hmm. in the court that I was working with in that that particular county, where I worked for two years on this case, where the children's attorney, district attorneys, everybody involved um, was trying to coerce me into their uh, zone. And so I refused, and the more I refused, they literally blacklisted me from the county. Um, wow. because I play ball. Right? So that is that is all happening. And even now I have so many supervisors, people who need supervision, um, people that need me to supervise their visits um because they they they've heard about my ethical stance on this issue. Um, the courts are not approving me for it because somebody's been shady as far as a parent is concerned. And so they know that I'm pro-children, pro-safety of the children. And so, you know, it is what it is right now, but we have to keep fighting and we have to keep holding the fort. So uh,
0: Anne, I I do want to ask you about something that one uh, parent mentioned to me. And it's something that I never thought of. And I want your take on it. Mm -hmm. So you know how when the kids are brought in and we do an intake packet with them yeah, uh, and the children sign on the intake. She was um, she was shocked that the children sign on the intake paperwork.
1: I've never heard of that. Really? No. So, would
0: yeah, with uh, when I when I was in the system, the children would sign on the intake paperwork. They would have them sign on uh, all paperwork, and it had the children's signature.
1: I've never heard of that. Wow, I, I don't even know of that. And you know, I can speak for New York. I've never seen that. Um, so that
0: might be a Georgia thing.
1: Does it happen? in
0: is it an agency thing no it was no, no, no. it was it was uh no it was the caseworker with the yeah
1: no 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 why would children be signing any intake package
0: well I kind of thought it was bogus because these are kids that are like eight years old nine years old
1: oh you know? no they don't even know what they're signing
0: oh uh, they have no idea and uh what what they have you do is they have you go over the packet with the child and i had this nine-year-old uh he read through every line and he goes i'm not signing that and uh so i literally wrote refused to sign
1: wow Uh, but
0: yeah this was on every every intake at every foster home
1: no i've never heard of that i've never done it i've i've placed children i've i've you know what i well, that's do know interesting. Is, that's very interesting what i do know is this um a couple years ago the family court says if a child is over 10 years old they can um appear in court right mm-hmm. and when they are 15 or 16 they can decide that they don't want to be adopted, right? But what I do know is that the children, the younger ones mm-hmm. that was allowed to come into the court, I do know for a fact that they have been coerced um, to say certain things by their attorney. So oh, yeah. this is a situation where all right. They're verbally coercing the children. But in your case, you're saying they're having these children sign their name to documents that they don't even understand.
0: So a lot have to of mumbo
1: jumbo to them. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I I'd had a case where they wanted to take the kid out of the home. That was one of the best home that I found for this kid. It was a straight up up and up foster parent. She loved children. She adopted, she had five of her own, six of her own, and she adopted five. And I begged her to take this one child because I know she she is a foster parent for real. She wasn't in it for the money. Her and her husband love kids. I went to their home. It's eleven people in that home. I said, "Oh my God, this so I fought for this kid because he was in foster care for since he was two years old. His father murdered his mother, and she ran off. I mean, the father murdered the mother and then he ran off um, you know into hiding, but subsequently overdosed on drugs, so they were left alone. When he was 10, he's allowed into the courtroom. And so me having this case for two years um, in a wonderful home, we are so close to adoption. The attorney comes into court and said, oh, I spoke to my client and he no longer wants to be in this home. He wants to be put in another home. And I was like, oh wow, <laughs> when did this happen? Cause I see this kid every month, you know? And so this was a situation where they knew who I was. This was a situation where they were playing hardball to let me know they were in charge. They do what they wanna do. And they were gonna take this 10 year old and put it into another home. And so I got really nervous cause he was so happy. He was so close to being adopted. And this was a great home. And she said, This is the last child I'm adopting, Miss Elliott. I took him because you begged me to. Um, She showed me pictures. She said, My husband and I, we bought a house. We've got a five bedroom. She showed me the backyard. It was like a a children's uh, play, you know, (laughs) play. Uh, You know, she was really straight up and her husband loved children. And so I had to think fast because the judge, was putting in an order for him to be taken out i knew this kid was being forced to do that against his will so i ran back to the agency and i grabbed the agency psychiatrist and i said listen you know we're we're i have to go back to court in a couple of weeks you know can you give me an update how he's feeling in this home cuz we're right at adoption she said oh he loves it he can't wait to be adopted um, he loves his, you know, new family and everything. And I said, could you put that in writing? She said, sure. And so I took that document to court and was able to stop them from removing, you know, taking this child into another placement. And um, after that was stopped, and interviewing the kid, he was being coerced to say that by his attorney. you know it's so
0: again,
1: yeah so again you know we're working with a system um that you said is very soulless um they don't care and and the sad reality is i hate to say it a lot of them are having fun doing it yes they,
0: they do yes. they enjoy it they enjoy, they enjoy seeing people suffer which they is do. uh which is very weird to me because yes. i don't understand how you can enjoy other suffering, but they do. They they actually enjoy it. They enjoy, it, and that's why I enjoy getting in their face.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they they do enjoy it. Um, it's a power trip for many of them. It's um, you know, as I say, it's a community of 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 criminals, and um, their thing is, you know, we control the system and we'll never get caught. And because they have that sense of immunity, we will never get caught, is why they just blatantly, in our faces, made the kind of rulings that they do in the family court system. And, you know, we, we see parents that are broken, devastated, and, um, you know, the orders are the orders. And even trying to challenge it sometimes is very difficult. Um, once a, a judge makes a ruling on an order. Oh. You know, so, but I, I, I do believe that this battle is winnable and we can win it.
0: I, I agree.
2: Me too. Well, let's end on that note. <laughs> That's a good note yep. to end on. We will yeah. win this thing because God's on our side. If God's Absolutely. for us, who can be against us?
1: Absolutely.
2: Yep. And Absolutely another great show thank you so much you are a treasure trove of information and just a lot of great stories that uh expose what's really going on behind closed doors so we appreciate you as always glad to have you as our friend for sure
0: yeah i really
3: enjoyed you you're so knowledgeable i just oh yeah wow it was really an honor to have you on here
2: and tony yeah. thank you thank you for joining yeah, us tony thank
0: you tony. thank you thank, yeah, you, thank
3: you guys for letting me on <laughs> i <I'm> joining you <laughs> guys tonight this was, this was great this i don't know just so much information it's really great to have like-minded people getting together and sharing this information people need to know like just how bad it is and oh
1: yeah anyway
3: god bless you for all you're doing i just think you're you're doing
1: great work thank you and- Same to each and every one of you. I mean, Sylvia, Gino, let's continue Mm -hmm. to fight. You know, let's keep back. Uh, Let's be courageous. Um, Let's dig in in, and keep pushing back.
2: Well, I can tell you this: we will. I know everybody on this panel right here will never give up. Never. Never. This is the hill
3: I die on, and I'm not suicidal. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Tony has mentioned that three times so <laughs> yeah. she is serious <laughs> yeah. are,
1: none, of us us are, is none of us are none of us are
2: we're good days ahead um, again everybody thank you so much for joining us tonight on Rumble and on the Foxhole we appreciate you guys I will be live Sunday evening at our new new time and Tony take note of this 9pm Eastern Standard Time with the Blender my good friend Michael down there in Texas so join us for that, and um, hopefully some exciting news. I'd, I would love to get on network TV and cable TV and expose some nice. of this stuff there. Yes, so let's let's pray awesome. that, yeah, let's pray that door opens up. Uh, awesome. Again, thank you guys. Love you. Have a great night and be blessed. Take care.
1: Thank you. Right. God bless you. Good night. Good night.